Making America worse again. Hi, I'm Melissa Ross. And I'm Matt Corrigan, and this is Political Insanity. This is the weekly podcast where Matt and I try to make some sense out of our insane political reality. Because if you feel like the world has gone mad, well, that's because it has. That's right, Matt. Uh, We try to bring a little sanity back to your life by listening to this podcast each week. And our goal is always to bring big names onto this show to break down the impact of the Trump administration. And we have a great guest today, and we're pleased to welcome David K. Johnston. Johnston is an expert on Donald Trump, and Johnston says it's even worse than you think. In fact, that's the title of his new book. That's right. Now, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and author has reported on Donald Trump for decades and has written two books about the president, The Making of Donald Trump, which was published in 2016, became a New York Times bestseller, and as you just said, Matt, His newest, It's Even Worse Than You Think, What the Trump Administration is Doing to America, published just this year. He's got a lot to say about this administration. He really does. David K. Johnston, welcome to Political Insanity. Well, Matt and Melissa, thank you for having me. It's so good to have you. And, you know, you've been doing so many interviews with the publication of your book about this administration. And I have to begin by pointing out that you really do say a big part of the problems we're experiencing right now in this country around this are the media's fault, that you don't think journalists are covering this administration the way they should, that they're focusing more on palace intrigue instead of the administration's actions, right? Absolutely. Uh, There's been excellent coverage of what's going on in the White House and the tweets, but What happens to you, your job, your future income, your health, uh, your physical safety, uh, those are issues that are out in the government agencies. And there are big, huge agencies like uh, uh, the housing, Federal Housing Agency, run by Ben Carson, where there's not one mainstream reporter who that is their primary assignment to cover. So what they're doing through what I call political termites, because you don't see these people, is they are eating away in this administration at the structure of our government and its ability to protect you, its ability to look after your well-being. That's pretty scary to think about. Uh, And and it gets to the divide, Matt, in this country as to whether you think government is a force for good or whether you're really hostile to government. And David, what what is the the biggest example of this that you're talking about? What's the most dangerous thing you think the Trump administration is doing to not protect the safety of the American people? Well, you know, this is what the military calls a target-rich environment. Uh, Every one of the federal agencies, um, I can show you how the Trump administration is doing the opposite of what it promised. And let me just give you a couple of quick examples. Um, In the first budget, um, Trump went around during the campaign saying, I love the veterans, love the veterans. I just love the veterans. No one's more for the veterans than Donald Trump. So in the first budget, they proposed to round down all checks. So if your monthly benefit was $3,000.99, you'd just get $3,000. Not a lot of money, about $12 million a year, but symbolically revealing, particularly because they also proposed that for many disabled veterans, when they reached retirement age, their income would be cut from $35,000 a year to a a little over $1,000 a year, about $13,000. Now, That's not going to happen, but that they proposed it is one of the good examples of this. Uh, In worker safety, about 4,800 American workers are killed on the job every year. 
this administration first stopped putting out press releases to shame companies where deaths were because of avoidable accidents if you followed good practices. Then they stopped posting the deaths of workers. There was a, a Labor Department website that would list the name of the worker and where they worked and what they died from. They were crushed or electrocuted or fell, things like that. They stopped posting those in August. Today, they will not even give out the statistical information. How many people died in the most recent period? How many were electrocuted? How many fell, et cetera? They refuse to provide this. That's helping the worst employers, not the ones who care about their workers, but the ones that don't. And sadly, there are companies run by people who just don't care and do not follow safe practices. And so there are examples like this all through your book. It's called It's Even Worse Than You Think. And as you've been pointing out, you you call this administration, it's a Greek word, kakistocracy. Kakistocracy, yes. A government by the worst of us. The most venal, the most corrupt, the most incompetent. And, you know, Trump's appointees in many cases are utterly unqualified. Dr. Ben Carson was a great uh, surgeon, but knows nothing about public housing issues. Scott Pruitt uh, declared before his appointment his intention to destroy uh, the Environmental Protection Agency. And, of course, now we know he's been uh, flying first class because people in coach, he says, weren't nice to him. Of course, why people in first class would be nicer to him is a dubious proposition. Um, in uh, the case of student loans, uh, why we have student loans in the first place is, is a big issue that goes way beyond Trump. When I went to college in the 60s and 70s, it was free or virtually free. Um, and this administration under Betsy DeVos, who has no qualifications at all for the Education Department, has taken the side of the bankers against students. Uh, that's indicative of how Trump ran for office promising one thing, and once he got into office has been doing the exact opposite. And if you don't know that, it's because the coverage has been focused on the White House, not on what's happening to our government. Yeah. You know, Matt, it's interesting to talk to David because he's a guy who has been reporting on Donald Trump since the mid-80s. And so he has, I think, a deeper understanding of this guy's business history, which is quite shady, than most reporters covering the president right now. And why do you have so many concerns, David, about kind of the mix of business and, and politics uh, in, in the Trump administration? Because obviously... Well, Don... Go ahead. Yeah, Matt, Don... I'm sorry. Donald has been creating a kleptocracy, the kind you see in, you know, poor countries in Latin America and Africa and Asia, where a dictator or would-be dictator uses the government to enrich himself. Um when Trump left the inauguration ceremonies in front of the Capitol and took the presidential limousine to the White House, it was a very different scene than when Barack Obama was arrested, was, was inaugurated. Barack Obama's uh, audience packed both sides of the street. There were no demonstrators that I could observe from the video, which I watched several times. Uh, when Trump left... Uh, in many places, there were actually more security people than there were people on the sidewalks. And then he stopped the limousine, and the whole family got out of their two cars they were in, and they took a two-minute turn on the, on the street. 
The place they stopped, not one of the TV networks told you what it was, but every foreign government, every trade association, every big corporation, and every rich individual who wants favors from this administration got the message. They stopped in front of the Trump International Hotel, a property whose lease says no federal employee can be involved. Well, Donald Trump is our employee as president of the United States. And he sent a signal to these people. And that signal was, if you want a favor from the Trump administration, you will pay tribute. The bar is doing $68,000 a night of business. There's a lawsuit brought by a competing bar where they say all the lobbyists have left their place, or virtually all of them, to go over to the Trump property. The Al-Sabah family, who own a huge hunk of oil-rich real estate in the Middle East that they call the country of Kuwait, moved its annual national day which partially thanks america for freeing kuwait from saddam hussein uh, more than 25 years ago they moved their party their annual party from the four seasons hotel to the trump hotel because they got the message you will pay tribute to donald trump or we're not going to even talk to you about whatever favors you want And, and the whole business of the emoluments clause and that whole scandal has has been not talked about much lately in the wake of all of the other scandals. But you've said you've been consistent about the fact that you think if people believe the economy's going well, that you, you see Donald Trump getting reelected. Well, I think it's possible he will be reelected. I mean, there's lots of, of uh, research going back to uh, the political scientist V.O. Key in the 1950s that Americans vote their pocketbooks. And Uh, Donald Trump came into office as the champion of the forgotten man. Uh, The problem is he immediately forgot the forgotten man. And the economic plans he ran on come out of a trilogy of books that I wrote, best-selling books, Perfectly Legal, which is about the tax system, uh, Free Lunch, which is about subsidies that before I wrote about them, people didn't know about that go to corporations and rich people. Uh, For example, in 20 states, uh, companies are allowed to keep the state income taxes withhold from their workers' paychecks, and they use that instead of their own money to build factories and office buildings and retail stores. And then the fine print, which is about reducing competition and promoting monopolies and duopolies. And, of course, capitalism depends on competitive markets. That's what makes capitalism work is competition. The Trump administration has been working very hard to reduce and eliminate competition. They're about, for example, to allow Sinclair Broadcasting to have stations all across America that will cover 86% of the public and give them a a bigger footprint than Fox News. And Sinclair is the firm, you may recall, that uh, did the uh, utterly dishonest Swift Boat uh, uh, documentary about John Kerry. Yeah, the Sinclair deal is uh, a media consolidation deal that is not getting nearly enough attention, I should point out. Uh, I I know people all over the country that work at Sinclair stations, so that's one that I've been following. But, you know, Matt, uh, getting back to what I was saying a minute ago, David K. Johnston started covering Trump back in the 80s. I'm so curious to hear more about how he covered this president's connections to organized crime, for example. You know, well, that... Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's uh, little family history is helpful. Donald Trump's grandfather was a German draft dodger who came to America 
lied to get his citizenship, and made his fortune as a pimp. He ran whorehouses in Washington State and the Yukon Territory. Uh, his father ripped off the taxpayers uh, in, a, in one deal alone for the equivalent in today's money of about $36 million. President Eisenhower threw a fit in the White House when he heard about this, and more than 100 uh, federal auditors and investigators were put on Fred Trump, who testified to Congress when he was asked about uh, making excessive profits off of subsidized housing for returning soldiers and sailors. He said, well, gentlemen, gentlemen, yes, there's, there's $4 million uh, more than, than, the, than the rule said I was supposed to earn, but, but, uh, but I don't have that money. I didn't take that money. It's sitting in the bank account. Excuse me, Melissa, where else would you keep $4 million but in the mm. bank account? Mm. And um, Donald, uh, as a young man, um, uh, sought out Roy Cohn, the notorious Roy Cohn, to be his lawyer. He did business with the Genovese and Gambino crime families, and his father had as his business partner a front, a guy named Willie Tomasello, on, who was with the Gambino and Genovese crime family. Donald has done business with Italian mobsters, Irish mobsters, a whole host of Russian-speaking mobsters. And I say Russian-speaking because some of these people from Georgia and Azerbaijan and, and Kazakhstan and Ukraine, as well as from um, uh, Russia itself. Um, and for years, Trump was deeply involved with a twice-convicted mob front named Joseph Wexelbaum. Uh, Joe Wexelbaum supplied Trump with his helicopters for his casinos. He personally flew Trump and his family, and when he was caught as a major international drug trafficker who brought cocaine and marijuana from Columbia to Miami and then had it driven north to Cincinnati, his case was mysteriously moved. And I say mysteriously because neither the prosecutors or the defense can explain what happened next. It was transferred to New Jersey and brought to the courtroom of Judge Marianne Trump Barry, the federal judge who is Donald's older sister. When was that? Now, she, 1986, oh, okay. I believe. Well, well David, let me, let, me ask you the, let me ask you this. If, if, uh, because, you know, the Kennedy family had all sorts of uh, issues, you know, going back to... Unsavory uh, connections. Uh, right, in, importing yeah. alcohol. There were rumors about the, the Bush family and so forth. Uh, do you think any of this will come to come to light in the the Mueller investigation? Some of the contacts that Donald Trump has made, or do you do you not think that's going to see the light of day? Well, the area. Well, just let me finish on the just on the Joe Wexelbaum. Okay. Address that. The things that Donald Trump did on behalf of Joseph Wexelbaum make no sense whatsoever because they should have cost him his casino license, including lying and denying about his relationship writing a letter saying the guy shouldn't serve any prison time, this major drug trafficker, because he's a credit to the community. And um, those, But those things make perfect sense if Trump and Wexelbaum were in the drug business together. And I make that clear in both of my books, how this, how this played out. Okay. Um, it's got no coverage in the mainstream newspapers or elsewhere, even though it's all in the public record. As for the criminal associations, Mueller is focusing very clearly on the Russians, and Donald has been doing money laundering for the Russians and deals that make no economic sense whatsoever with Russians, but that make a great deal of sense if the Putin regime was investing in Trump as a potential beneficial person to them. And, you know, the Putin regime, 
uh, is basically a criminal gang that's the head of the oligarchs. The oligarchs um, stole, with the approval of, of the Russian government, the wealth of the Russian peoples after the collapse of the Soviet Union. That's where they got all this, these billions and billions of dollars they have. They have been very active in trying to undermine the economics of Western countries. The whole Icelandic bank scandal was orchestrated by one of the oligarchs, and Trump is uh, wrote a letter authorizing a quarter-billion-dollar tax scam where the, a bunch of money disappeared into those Icelandic banks and then into Russia. He's fighting to have the case thrown out, and he's got the record sealed, although my organization, dcreport.org, which is a nonprofit, non-advertising news service, um, we have gone to court with For- Forbes magazine trying to force those records in public, and three judges recently said they're going to make most of the documents public. Huh. Mueller's going to focus on the Russian money, and Russian I mean broadly to include the former Soviet states that are Russian-speaking peoples. And do you think that uh, the dossier that's been so notoriously discussed is a bunch of misinformation? Do you think some of it's accurate? Do you think uh, the Kremlin has compromise on this president? Oh, they've got compromise on Donald, without a doubt. Uh, first of all, the guy who wrote the dossier was the chief British intelligence official dealing with the Russians. He's held in very high regard by American intelligence authorities. Nothing in the dossier has been shown to be false. There's a lot of it that hasn't been proven. And remember, intelligence is not, and I don't think a lot of people understand this, an intelligence report is not, here are the adjudicated facts. It is what you are able to pick up about what is happening. And nothing in that report has been shown to be untrue to this point. Uh, clearly, Mueller is using that and a lot of other uh, leads to chase things down. And we saw in these recent indictments, 13 Russians came here to the U.S. on our soil to meddle in our election. Uh, three Russian corporations were involved. I know about more corporations that were involved that we're going to report on soon at D.C. Report in undermining our election. And Donald Trump's response to this is not to be concerned about the American people and the integrity of the most sacred civic thing we do, which is vote. It's been to talk about himself, to claim wrongly that he's been vindicated, uh, even as some of his own people in the White House have publicly said, this doesn't vindicate you. And it should be alarming to people that instead of being concerned as his oath of office requires about the Russian interference in our election, Donald Trump's concern is about his own skin. D- David, we've we got two questions left for you here. One is, you've been sued by Donald Trump, and you've, you've, you no, know Donald Trump. Or, or no, you've Donald, been threatened Donald to have been sued, right? Correct? Donald's been calling me on the phone uh, or, or in person since 1989 threatening to sue me. If he did... He knows, of course, I would obtain uh, what's called discovery, and I could make him produce documents and question him under oath. The only person he ever sued as a journalist is my former New York Times colleague, Tim O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh, his testimony was devastating to him, and ultimately the court ruled he had no case. Okay. And that was a lawsuit where O'Brien, contrary to my advice to Tim, uh, put a specific figure on Trump's wealth, 100 to 100, and I think it was in the range of 100 to 200 million dollars. There is not now and never has been a shred of evidence that Trump has even $1 billion. I broke the story in 1990 that he had a negative net worth. He called me a liar for four months until he had to put 
his net worth statement into the public record, and it showed that he had a negative net worth of over $200 million. Uh, but, you know, Donald uses threats of litigation to try and intimidate people. Right. I'm a guy who's personally hunted down a murderer, run into a burning building, exposed foreign agents and spies. I don't intimidate. So I, I, the last time Donald threatened to sue me two years ago, I was a little surprised because he knows I don't intimidate. Well, well, David, with this tough indictment of our sitting president, and I say indictment in terms of, of writing about him, not a legal indictment, uh, what do you think is going to happen? If, 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 you're, if your description of him is correct, th- yeah. this can't end well. Where, so, yeah, what's the end game? Wh- we, what ask, do you think? we ask yeah, everybody on the podcast that wh- question. What do you think? There is no good ending to the Trump administration but America will endure and get past this. Um, if Trump is, if the Democrats take control of the House and the Senate, they will move to impeach Trump. We will have public hearings. And if Trump is impeached and convicted, which requires two-thirds of the Senate, um, he will spend the rest of his life traveling the country, denouncing the U.S. government and fomenting violence. And how do we know that? Because when he was looking for votes during the campaign, he repeatedly pointed to people almost all of them black in his audience, and said, beat that person up. I'll pay your legal bills. Beat that guy. Get him out of here. He, he even pointed a, at a former military, retired military guy, who's a supporter of his, who was black, and said, get this guy out of here, this thug, he called him. So remove the constraints on him, and he'll, he'll go crazy doing that. If he's voted out in a primary election in 2020 or by the general election in 2020, he will claim it was all rigged. We know that because he claims Hillary Clinton lost the popular vote. You have to understand, Donald Trump is a man who never did one day of public service before he took the oath of office. He's all about Donald. He's not about America. He's about Donald. And his tweets every day show us he's not concerned about American national security. He's not concerned about the economy. He's concerned about Donald. He wants everyone to recognize how he sees himself. He is genetically superior to us. He has the world's greatest memory, except when he can't remember things. And he is the world's greatest expert on a whole host of subjects about which his tweet show and his his public comment show, he actually is an ignoramus. And I document this from his own words in both the making of Donald Trump and in It's Even Worse Than You Think. Well, David K. Johnston, thank you. Uh, We're out of time. I got you. you. (laughs) He's the Pulitzer Prize winning David K. Johnston, and uh, that site is dcreport.org. David, you have a lot to say, and we appreciate you saying it with us. Thank you, David. Thank you, Melissa and Matt, for having me on. Thank you. Wow, uh, so good to talk to him. And, you know, as he pointed out, However this ends, the country is is not in—wherever people stand politically, I think a lot of people agree that the country is just not in a good place. It's not, and uh, this will be a test because if, uh, if the president gets reelected— uh, there will be a lot of discontent if if uh, he doesn't win re-election or if he doesn't even get to the re-election point, there will be discontent. And the bottom line is, can we deal with our disagreements civilly? And uh, that's a real question that's on the table right now, and that's unfortunate. That is the question. We'll continue discussing it. For now, I'm Melissa Ross. And I'm Matt Corrigan. Keep listening.